0: So let's, get, let's jump right in this morning. We have been talking this month about Beaches Chapel and Building a Home is our series and really what the identity of Beaches Chapel is, who we are going forward, not just this year, but really forever. And um, we're just going to continue that series this morning. And it's so cool, you know, as we're laying out the vision, just it's been amazing to see how God is ministering as we lay out who we are in these, in these weeks. And, you know, the first week we talked about how we do everything based on the word of God. That is where we draw from our teachings, our inspiration, um, our authority. Everything is based out of the Word of God. Last week, we talked about um, how we are congregational and we are relational and how we come together as a congregation and we worship. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And then we uh, go into impact groups, and that is where we build relationships. So again, just to echo Pastor Tina, if you haven't signed up for an impact group, you can do that today, and we're going to be launching those in a couple weeks. And my expectation for impact groups is just through the roof. I really believe God is going to do amazing things in these times. We're going to meet new people. Uh, Chains are going to be broken. Freedom is going to be had. Prayer is going to be spoken, and it is going to be an amazing time. So please, please sign up for impact groups. And today we're going to be talking about some things as well. Before we get to that, let's just go over our mission statement again here at Beaches Chapel, right? Beaches Chapel is a home for all to begin and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a home, y'all. This is a home. And everything that a home entails is what we are trying to be, and it is for all people. And this is what it's based out of Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22, where it says, you're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here, thank you, Jesus. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, thank you, Jesus. God is building a home, thank you, Jesus. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building, thank you, Jesus. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. Are you all starting to feel that? Is it starting to resonate in your bones? I hope that you're able to just start saying it uh, on your own because that is our language. That is our identity and who we are. We are the bricks and we are building a home for every single person to be able to walk in and join this home, irrespective of how you got here. Doesn't matter who you were. It matters who you are in Jesus. That moment that you cross that threshold and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And that's why I'm so excited about next week. Can it just get here, please, with these baptisms? Because there are some radical testimonies. I'm telling you all, there's people that are going to be getting baptized next week. Oh, my Lord Jesus. I might just have to give them the pulpit one Sunday because of who they were and who they are now. Ben, I'm looking at you, brother. I love you. It's going to be good. It's going to be very good. Oh, thank you, Lord. So I want to just imagine for a second, as we're talking about being the bricks, that's really what what it's about today, is let's just flash back, if we can, to middle school, okay? Yay! A fun time in all of our lives. For those parents in here who have a middle schooler, yes, God bless you. I, I made an arrangement with the Lord when I took over as a senior pastor here. I'll do it, but all my girls have to sidestep middle school. And he said, no. And I said, okay, I tried. All right. It's a tough age, but we're going to go back. So let's just put ourselves back in middle school and let's go to P.E. class for a second. okay? And let's just imagine if we can, God is the captain of one of the teams for a kickball game. I was going to say dodgeball, but we all know dodgeball. It doesn't really look good that God's going to be a captain of a dodgeball team. Right. Throwing rubber balls at people's faces. We going old school this morning? (laughs) Luis, I think you hit the screen, brother. (sighs) It's okay. Is he even back there? I can't tell. Luis, look alive. There we go. In case y'all are new, we used to have a screen that came down from the ceiling, and it's making an appearance. It hasn't done so in a while. So everyone wave to the old screen that we haven't taken down, because we didn't think anyone would ever actually hit the button again, but here we are. All right. Uh, And what's funny is Luis doesn't still know what's... Oh, he does know. There we go. Okay, I think it's going back up. Anyway, okay, so let's go back to P.E. class, middle school. God is the captain of our kickball team, okay? And we're sitting there, and we see God, super most athletic in all the school, super cool, always wins every single time P.E. class starts. And we're sitting there looking and saying, please pick me. Please pick me. I want to be on your team, God. The problem is we're the most uncoordinated kid in school, two left feet, Our shorts are on backwards, still got the headgear on, kind like this, you know, the whole nine yards. And so we know really that if God wants to win, he's not going to pick us. Why? Because we're not any good at kickball. We actually are that kid that strikes out in kickball. You know who you are if you were that kid. And we'll pray for you after church as well. And so as the teacher says, all right, it's time to start picking teams. God steps up and he gets first pick and he's scanning the whole class. And there's kids that he that you know are better than you. But then he looks at you and he says, I want you. I want you on my team. Blown away, right? Why would God, the most athletic, coolest, strongest, fastest kid in the whole school, pick me to be on his team? And he does. And as we're talking about building this home and being a part of what God is doing at Beaches Chapel and in the church, this is exactly what we're talking about. He is picking a team. And though we look at ourselves and say, I'm just not qualified. I'm too unathletic. I have two left feet. I don't know what I'm doing. He's saying, I'm picking you to be on my team. And the truth of the matter is, God could play the entire school in kickball, not need anybody on his team, and absolutely destroy him. He'd, every, every kick would be a home run. Every time they came up, he'd catch every ball. He doesn't need teammates to win. But he is picking us to be on his team, check this out, so that we can share in the victory with him. That's what this is all about this morning. God wants to share in the victory that is coming with little old us, unqualified us. Why? Because he needs us? No. But because he loves us. And he wants to share in what is already his. And so what we have to do is we have to stop looking at ourselves as undeserving, unqualified, not able, and just say, you picked me? Okay, I'm going to be on the team. But here's the other thing. We have to get in the game. We have to get in the game. You can be picked by God and sit on the bench and be on the team, but never really get on the field. Okay, here's the thing. I have two very important professional sports teams in my life that Jesse has to share me with. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. One is the Jaguars, okay, things are turning around. The other is the Atlanta Braves. I love those two teams equally. I'm obsessed with them to the point where it's getting a little close, all right? I got to back off a little bit. But I love those teams. I've grown up loving those teams. And last year, uh, baseball season, the Braves came within one game of going to the World Series. It was a good season, just didn't quite get there. And I, I was, as a fan, it was awesome. And as much as I celebrated the year that they had, it was nothing compared to how the players felt on the team. Because they were the ones on the field doing it. And so if we want to share in the victory that God has in our lives and in this church and in this world, we got to get on the field. Okay? And so here's my message for today. Y'all ready? Church, it ain't a spectator sport. Okay? It is not meant to be viewed. Church is not something we watch. It is not where we go. It is who we are. And if you want to have everything that God has for you, you got to get in the game. Okay? You got to get in the game. And stop worrying about not being qualified. Stop worrying about this or that. Stop thinking that it's more comfortable to sit on the bench. Let's get in the game. And that's what I want for this whole church, for this whole community, is that as we get in the game, and we get our hands dirty, and we slide, and we get grass stains on our pants, that the community is going to join this team and come into this home and be part of what we're doing here. But we got to get in the game, y'all. Are you ready? Okay. So there's two ways this morning that we're going to talk about that. All right, and the first one is we get in the game by giving of ourselves and by giving of our time specifically. Romans 12, verse 4 says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. See, as one body works together in one motion, it works in harmony. And that is when we are at our best Not that there's this body part over here and this body part over there and this one there and there's all these different sections. Well, we have the band up here and we have kids base camp over there and it's all sectioned out, right? No, that's not what we're called to be. We are all one body. And as we work together, we work in harmony with one another. First Corinthians 12 verse 15 says this. If the foot says I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, wouldn't that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just as he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. I'd say so. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Listen, we all need each other. And I'm going to be real honest with you all. And when we're talking about Beaches Chapel and how it's built, it's built on people that give to the church, that give of their time, that volunteer here. We have a very small staff, but we have a lot of volunteers. But we need more. That's the truth. We need more. This place you hear about the world runs on Duncan. Beaches Chapel runs on volunteers, truthfully. It really, truthfully does. And I, wanna, I just want to reiterate, God has given you the exact ability that he is calling you to. Right? You might not think that you have what it takes. You might not think that you're qualified enough. But God has given you the ability to serve where he wants you to serve. And here's the flip side of that I want to address this morning as well. If you think that you are qualified and have, like, more than enough ability to where he's called you to, chances are that's not where he's going to call you to serve. That's not where we, when I used to work in youth ministry, uh, Kelly Trent and I, the the youth pastor at the time, people would come to us and say, listen, I just want to serve in youth, I want to serve in youth, I want to serve, and I can do this, that, and the other. And they'd give us this long laundry list of their amazing world-class abilities, And our answer would always be, awesome, can you vacuum the carpet after youth group? And that was always kind of our gauge. It was kind of what we would say to one another, hey, you know, will they they vacuum the carpet? Because a lot of times, the need is the call, right? In other words, you might think that you are the best, most world-renowned tambourine player that has ever walked the face of the earth. And so you go up to Valerie, say, hey, Valerie, check this out. I can play a tambourine, all right? I'm really good at a tambourine. And she might say, that's great, but you know what? We really need people to help with kids' check-in. Can you do that? Well, don't you want to hear me play the tambourine? Like, no, we we need people here. in order for the body to function together, to grow together, we need everybody in different parts. And you know what the amazing thing is? As we just say, okay, I'll do whatever you want, Chances are the places that you're put put will be a place that you end up loving more than the place that you thought you needed to be. And so if we can just surrender to the Lord and say, look, God, I don't care if I'm an ear, thumb, nose, whatever, I just want to be part of the body in some way, shape, or form, he's going to take that heart and that willingness of you to serve and put you in a place where you will be blessed more than you ever thought possible. And you will begin to love the place where you are at. If we are just willing to say, God, I just want to be part of the body. And so use me in whatever way you will. I said before that this place is run on on volunteers, and and I just want to take a moment. I would be remiss if I didn't honor some of these people. We have, as you come into church, you know, I hear people say all the time, and it's the best testimony that we can ever ask for here, that when people come in, they just feel welcome. They feel at home. And that's because we have people that give of their time, that come early to church on Sundays, free of charge, that are greeters, people that stay at the information desk, so that when you walk in and you're new, we can point you to these people and they can answer what, uh, any questions you have. And some of these people, Jim and Marty Monroe, Jim and Corey Morris, Sal and Carmela Prestia, Don and Teresa Rogers, Kirk and Kathy Granfers, Debbie Boot, Susan Hightower, Sandy Martin, Dolly McCormick, Elsa Montgomery, Pam Robbins, Lenny and Carol Pratt, De- Denise Taylor, Will Wilkins, among others. Thank you all so much. Thank you. <laughs> Love our greeters. Listen, if Jim Monroe can put a smile on his face every Sunday and greet people, anyone can do it. The Lord does miracles. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. Jim brought me donuts this week. He can do no wrong. I love you, Jim. Please don't hate me. Love our greeters. Parking team. I call these guys the Navy SEALs of our volunteer team. You know why? Because they're out in the elements every week. Whether it's August or September and it's a thousand degrees outside, they're out there on the parking team. If it's rain, we had like three months straight a couple of, of just raining every Sunday. It's like, you know, hey, it's, we don't even need to look at the weather report. It's Sunday. Church is about to start. It's going to pour. And they are out there. They were out there last week when it was freezing cold. I love our parking team. Yeah. Gary Barker. We love you, Gary. Can't wait for you to come back. Larry Moore. Love you, brother. Can't wait for you to come back. Jacob Sweeney is there every single Sunday. Pedro Figueroa, where are you at, Pedro? I love these guys. Larry Moore was our first parking lot attendant. I have to tell this story um, because it'll make his wife laugh. Um, And I love Miss Shelley. They're watching online this morning. But Larry, he doesn't just park cars, all right? He's military. And he's going to make sure every car is to an inch of where it's supposed to be. And you know the band. We get here. We get here first on Sundays, and so we kind of set the tone of the parking lot. And there have been many times where he has come in right in the middle of sound check, said, "Stop! Yes. Who's driving the red sedan? <laughs> You're three inches off the line. <laughs> Give me your keys." And we just like, sorry, you know, sorry, scared, Mr. Larry. But I love that. I love. You know why? Because he's taking it seriously. That's the part of the body that he is, and he's going to do it to the best of his ability. God honors that, and I love that. So thank you, parking team. Kids check-in. Carmela Prestia, who, by the way, does not have a kid. Her kid is in college, yet she still uh, helps out with kids check-in. Nikki Hawkins, Angela Brummel, Jesse McDonald, Nikki Delaney, and Sandy Martin, who will find a way to volunteer if there is no church. Sandy will volunteer somehow. So if you're new here and you have your your kids, you can go to them, and they will point you in the right direction. Amazing group. Our audio-video team, Mac Bomback is here. He's an alumni of Beaches Chapel. Think about this. He's like 19 years old, and he gets to church early, okay? Young people. Stop saying it's too early to come to church, all right? <laughs> Matt gets here early and helps out, and he's helping out this morning, and we're grateful for him. Also, Helen Pike, she's not here today, but man, she, goodness gracious, she's awesome. She only misses about five times a year, and every single time it's because of Disney, so I always let her go. <laughs> Our Wednesday night salt service, Morgan uh, Froby, Bonnie Walgamuth, Sergey Morozov. Uh, they, they help with Jason, uh, head up our student ministry night, and it, they're, they're amazing. Base Camp, Bonnie Carter, Doug and Addie Brum, Debbie Swaney, Diane Zag, y'all are amazing. Listen, let me say something to y'all. If you don't have little kids, you don't know, but Rachel Brum and her team put on an amazing service every Sunday so that the parents can come in here without their kids, <laughs> without the kids, and they are, they're, they're learning about Jesus, the foundation in our kid. It's something that we take. Just, It's so important to us. It's why we have a school. It's why we put so much effort and emphasis on our kids' ministry here is because we know if we can get them at an early age, if we can set that foundation in their life, even look, even though they're little and, and may not retain all of it, they are getting something. And I can save that from personal experience growing up here. There's things that I remember in the Word, and it's because I grew up here, parents, Get your kids over there. Get them over there. They are, we entrust them with an amazing team, and they are setting a foundation for them to carry on for the rest of their life. And I want to also acknowledge this is, not a, this is a church-appointed position. It's not necessarily you can just come up and say, hey, I want to do this. We, this is one where we uh, appoint people. But our deacons, Lester Bickerstaff, Dave Swainey, and Bubba Brown. I love these men. They get here super early every Sunday, and really, they are there. Their their main question is, James, what do you need? What do I need? And they they help me personally, and I'm just so grateful for them. Usually they're in the back interceding all during the service, just praying the whole time, and uh, it looks like they're just sitting there. Trust me, they're not. They're praying. They're prayer warriors, and they are servants. So that is just a little bit of a nutshell, and I'm sorry. I'm sure I left some people out, but just know that you are all appreciated. We love you. We thank you for our volunteers. Let me tell you something. If it was just the staff, y'all would come in, and this place would look very different on Sunday mornings. It would have a totally different vibe to it. But these people that have said that they would commit are in the game. They're not on the bench. They say, I want to be a part of what is going on at Beaches Chapel to the point where they are giving their time. They are giving their energy, and they are all doing it as volunteers free of charge. And so as we continue on with this series, I want you right now to start praying about what you can do to serve here. There's been some people that have come to me and asked, and I love that, I'm so grateful. And there is going to be a time next week where you can sign a card that says, this is where I would like to serve, this is what I'm interested in doing, or for those that are already serving, here's what I am doing. And for those that are serving, I wanna say this, this might be an opportunity for you to maybe go and try something else. And I'm just gonna put this one out there. I asked Ms. Vanessa, who is our nursery director, give me the list of people that help you, that are volunteers. And she had none, okay? We need, we need some people that love on babies to go help Miss Nessa in the nursery on Sunday mornings, <laughs> right on cue. And she is amazing. She's getting my wife right now. She loves on these babies. But she needs some help, all right? And look, I'm not asking y'all to do this every single Sunday, but one Sunday, if we all commit one Sunday a month to serve, I'm telling you, and I know the thought is this. Well, if I serve, then I can't be in worship and I can't hear the word. Listen, you, God will bless you and speak to you and minister to you if you give of your time and serve him. Like, he doesn't leave you out, okay? If anything, you might start looking to those Sundays more like you're going to start going, Oh, man, I got to stand with James. I want to go be in the nursery again. I want to go into base camp. I'm telling you, God meets us when we serve. You know why? Because we stop thinking about our own selves and start giving of ourselves. And all these problems that we walk around and these concerns and maybe even the whining and complaining, stop. Because we're giving of ourselves and we stop thinking about ourselves so much and the world stops revolving around ourselves so much. When we give, God ministers to us. I promise you, So we're going to give you that opportunity next week, but I want you to be thinking about it. I want you to be considering what that would be. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So what do we do? Check this out. Use them well to serve one another. All right, don't waste the things that God has given you. Don't waste those things. Let's use the gifts and the abilities that we have to serve one another. If my ear itches... It's not the ear's problem, you know? Say, well, sorry, ear tough. No, the hand goes and scratches the ear. Serving the body. And so where can we serve one another? It's, you know, I didn't mention this last week because I didn't want to get into this week's sermon, but you want to talk about being relational? Start serving with other people. You are, to, you are going to develop strong, powerful relationships when you start serving alongside people. And I said this on the Sunday that I was set in officially as a senior pastor. When you start serving the church, you, start, you stop becoming a critic and start becoming a help. And so when you're sitting on the sidelines, not getting in the game, you can criticize me until the cows come home. But when you start giving of yourself, you start saying, you know, we're in this together. And that's really what it's about. So, we're asking you, and I want to I close with this on, on this portion of things. I, we, we need to all remember this. There is no seniority in serving, we are all equal parts of the body. God does not love me more because I'm the senior pastor of this house over anybody else. He loves us all the same in our serving. So, when we decide to give of ourselves, it is without rank, it is without hierarchy. Because Jesus is the head of the body. And then we are all else equal parts. Amen? Amen. Okay, closing with this verse really quickly. Matthew 20, verse 25. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. We're going to be different, church. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant." And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if we're talking about following Jesus, the model and the template is to serve others. That's what it, we're called to do. Love God, love others. And a large way that we love other people is to serve other people. All right? So that's what it's about. So that's the first way that we get in the game. Second way is this. Y'all ready? By giving financially. (gasps) He said it. I knew he was going to say it. Yes, listen, this is, this is my policy when I talk about money in the church. If we're going to talk about money in the church, we're going to talk about money in the church, okay? I'm not going to do it with a veil in front of me or anything like that. You know why? Because it's scriptural and it's important. And if I don't talk about tithing in the church, I am doing God and you a disservice. So when we talk about it, we talk boldly and openly and proudly because we believe in the importance of tithing here at Beaches Chapel. Everything that Pastor Tina said earlier is absolutely true. Where you put your money is where you put your heart and vice versa. Where you have your heart is where your money is as well. And I want to talk about that this morning because, well, there's two reasons especially. And the first one is that it is a very practical thing here at Beaches Chapel to tithe. And you know, I I want to start first before we even get into that by saying this. Our church, Beaches Chapel, y'all are some of the most generous, giving people that I know. It's incredible. Listen, we're small in number, but we pack a mighty punch when it comes to giving. And it makes me so proud It makes me so proud. I know some of y'all, last week when the coffee truck was here, you went above and beyond giving tips, and it it, it was was something that you wanted to do and loved to do, and I'm so grateful for that. When we do toy drives for Christmas and we do Thanksgiving basket drives, it blows us away every year. Y'all answer the bell, and I'm telling you right now, we're going to have more opportunities to give, because that's what we're called to do. And so I just want to say, before we even get started, thank you, thank you. For your faithfulness and, and, and your heart to give. Amen. But the first reason that we're going to talk about tithing this morning is because we have practical needs here at Beaches Chapel. Like everything that you see here costs money. You know, and we know, it's funny, when we're in our home, like, we, we talk about that all the time. Well, this is going to cost this. This is going to cost this. I mean, I don't know about any of you other, especially dads here, but, I, like, I'm the turn the light off police in our house. I can't relax if there's a room with a light on where nobody's at. Like, yeah, you want to sit down and watch a movie? Can't do it. Got to go turn off the light so I can save a nickel this month. All right? We're always thinking about how we can save money because everything costs money in our house. But then when we come to church, we just, we never really think about it. Like, oh, I just thought it was free, you know? <sighs> It's not, all right? These lights that are shining on me right now cost money. This mic that I'm using costs money. The AC or heat that we use costs money. All of it does. Even the, even the words that we put on the screen and the songs that we sing, we have to pay a copyright licensing for so that we can have this. And so there are practical needs of the house that have to be met, all right? That's just, that's just the way it is. And, and here's the thing that you'll, you all need to know about us. When there is a particular need, when we're behind the eight ball financially, we will let you know. Like We'll be honest and forthright. That's why we put the weekly budget every week because we want you all to know where we stand financially. We don't make any secret about it. We want to be open and honest because the second that we start hiding those kind of things, that's when, that's when stuff gets shady and weird. And so we are fully open and honest with what is going on here at Beaches Chapel. And, you know, in all of it, if we are faithful to give, God will meet our needs. We, we all the time, we give our... Our five loaves and our two fish, and God gives abundantly above and beyond. He has always met us, even when we don't have an answer, even when the, the budget just doesn't add up, God always finds a way. And he does that because we, as a church, are faithful to tithe, okay? So there are those practical needs here. Um, but the, the one that I really want to talk about this morning is the second, and that's the spiritual side of tithing why it is really so important. And I want to get this right. I wrote it in my notes. It's because when we give our money to the Lord, we are free from the bondage, the bondage of financial burden and idolatry. When we give God our first fruits, all right, when we tithe and we do it joyfully and gladly, God takes that financial burden that we stress out all the time and say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? He takes that off of us. Because his word says, his word says, remember God doesn't lie and he does not fail, that he will provide for us when we give to him. And so you can know sitting here this morning, watching online, that when you give, God is saying, okay, thank you. I got this now. You have now put me in charge of your finances and I will direct your steps. I will provide for you. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds pretty good to me. I want that. I I don't want that financial burden. I say all the time, God's a way better financial advisor than I am. And so I know that if I give my tithes to him, if Jesse and I, we do that, then he is going to cover us. And I can tell y'all, as sure as I'm standing here, he's proven himself faithful in our lives over and over and over again. He has never failed us in that area. Not once. And he'll do the exact same for you. But especially, especially when we give him of those things, we are, we are free from the idolatry that money brings into our lives. Mark 10, verse 17 starts by this. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And here's where it gets really good. Verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I think the most important line in that story of Jesus in this man is verse 21, where he says, Jesus felt genuine love for him. In other words, Jesus wasn't trying to torture this guy or test this guy or make this guy feel guilty or condemned. He loved him. And because Jesus loved this man, he was trying by telling him to sell his possessions and get rid of his money, he was trying to set him free. It was not something about torture or test or anything like that, well, this guy's just after my money. You notice Jesus does not say, give me your money and give me your possessions. Jesus isn't interested in our stuff. Why? Because he's rich. Yes. He's got it all. And so this whole, this whole thought about God's just after my, God's not after please, please. Like, that's ridiculous. He's after our heart and he wants to set us free from the idolatry that money brings. And if you notice, the word says here that the man had many possessions, but truthfully, the possessions had him. The possessions had him because he couldn't let it go. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to have eternal life, but he couldn't. He couldn't because he was enslaved by his things because they owned him. And there's all sorts of rabbit trails we could go down uh, that road with. But money is such a spark for comparison and idolatry. I want to tell you all a story. It doesn't really have anything to do with money. But just this is what I mean by idolatry. So about five-ish years ago, I got started. um, I got really big into running. And I had this, it, it was something that God had just kind of put in front of me, um, because I needed it in my life. I just needed something that I could just be anonymous with people, where people didn't know me. And so I had a friend, I said, hey, you know, I really want to run a marathon. It's kind of a bucket list item of mine. And she pointed me to this group, uh, this, you know, large national group that has a chapter in Jacksonville, said, you should go train with them. They're great people. So I did, I signed up, and I became part of this running group, and we met every Saturday um, at 6 a.m., different parts of the city. And And my, you know, the group that I was in was only about seven or eight people. And I loved it. It was such, it met such a need in my life to just be able to get out and exercise and, and really get to know people who had no idea who I was. And for whatever reason, like I needed that in that moment. And I needed a goal. I needed something that I could shoot towards. And so it was, it was perfect. And Every week, you know, we'd go a little bit further and a little bit further. And, and it was just, it, it really was special for me. It was a gift that God had given me. And then came the day to run the Donna. And uh, I ran the marathon. It wasn't my most shining moment in life, that's for sure. Um, nothing like getting wheelchaired right after you cross the finish line. Like, <laughs> I can't. Rah, rah. <laughs> um, but I'd done it, and it was a huge accomplishment. But then something changed. Because you're given this medal, and you're given a shirt, and now all of a sudden, you become someone that has run a marathon, right? And what you need to know about a lot of runners, like they are an arrogant bunch, um, and I was no exception. I would like find reasons to go to Publix with my marathon finisher shirt on and just hey, yeah, 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 you know, walking around like this all of a sudden. And I'm not kidding you when I say that being Someone who ran a marathon was more important that people knew about me than I than I love Jesus. It's the truth. And all of a sudden, I it was like this thing had taken over my identity, and it became so sour in my mouth, and I was so convicted. And so that next year, when I was going to train and try and do better, I was like, God, I got to give this to you. Because now, here's what, being an, here's what an idol is, y'all. It's now that gift has become the giver. And that's what idolatry is in our lives. When God has given us something to bless us, and then now that thing is the source of our hope, our life, our identity, and all those things. And I really am not sure that there's anything that does that more powerfully than money. Because money can do it in all sorts of different ways. And now all of a sudden that I'm following Jesus doesn't mean quite as much as how much I make or this car that I bought with the money that I make or the clothes that I wear with the money that I make. And you see, there's just all sorts of different avenues that money can lead us to with this idolatry in our life. And all of a sudden, all those things become more important than our identity in Jesus to the point where we'll start making excuses to go to Publix to parade ourselves around hoping some stranger reads your shirt, and might think, wow, that guy's cool. It's crazy when we let those things take over in our life. And it happened. I'm just being real, with y'all. I'm an idiot. It's, you know, it's really amazing how if you've, if you, you know, and for me, I'll just, for me running a marathon, how you can like fit that into a conversation man, it's really coming down out there. It's raining hard. I know, I ran a marathon. what? (laughs) You want to know if you got an idol, start listening to how you talk about those things. It's the truth. And so when Jesus is approaching this this guy, he's not trying to test him, y'all. He's trying to say, you're serving a false idol, follow me, follow me. And when we, it, listen, it's a, it's a slippery slope. With money, it is a slippery slope. But when we continue to give to the Lord and we are committed to tithing, we are putting that temptation to make money an idol at bay. We're saying, no, 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 no. you don't serve me. I'm giving this to my God. That is what it's about. That is the spiritual side of why we tithe here, why we don't shy away from it, because it is for your own good. Listen, Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says this. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Woo! Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That as we continue to give and give of our finances, like we're richly blessed, it's the people that hold on tight to it that suffer and want. And I have to say, I, lately, Jesse and I have been the uh, product of what it looks like for the body to give in to people. I mean, the last two months with the, with the um, pastor's Christmas offering and even beyond that into January, it's been the most humbling An incredible thing. We had someone pay our rent for January without even like asking. Someone came up and and just offered to give us money to buy lunch last week. I mean, just littlest things. And that means so much more than a pay raise because that's the body giving into each other. And if we can just start being sensitive to other people's needs beyond our ties and start pouring into people, man, that is so encouraging. It's so encouraging. And so we need to, yes, come on. And th- that's not a testimony for us. That's not about us, that's about the people. I'm praising the people that thought to do that and were obedient to carry it out. And you know what that makes us do? That, what our response is, where can we give? Where can we now give? And as we continue to do that as a body, as a family, as a group, we're just, we're listening to the Holy Spirit and our eyes are open to the people around us in need. Man, it's going to be awesome. We will be spurred on to do good works like we talked about last week. And so I just want to encourage that. That wasn't planned. But I just want to encourage you. As you tithe, don't limit it to that. Look around for those that might just need something extra that day. And if you have the opportunity, be obedient in that moment because you have no idea how it might bless them, but also how it will bless you. It's the best thing to give. Those are the people that are rich. Those are the people that are rich. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide, there it is, all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others did you hear that last part yeah. listen Beaches Chapel I want some leftovers here <laughs> alright I'm, I'm serious I want, I want us to be able to every week go oh, listen we have a surplus where can we give where can we give this who is in need who needs help but I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you all our benevolence is really low it's really low We need some people to give into it, or we're not meeting budget every week. We need to, because we have a heart to reach people and serve people. We got to give. We can do more. We can do more. Let's test God in this and watch as he just fills this place with the 12 basketfuls afterwards. I'm telling you, it'll happen. Why? I'm not making this up because his word says so. His word says so. Oh, goodness. Okay, we're going to have the band come back up. And I just, I just want to um, I wanna end with this. We're going we're gonna to skip to Luke chapter 10. And I want to read this. It says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. I love that answer that Jesus gives. You will live. And I believe when Jesus talks about living like he talks about in John 10, uh, 10 about I came to give life. And he says, if you do this, you will live. I think it's far greater than what we're talking about. He's not just talking about taking in oxygen. In living, he's talking about what it really means to live. He's saying, "You do these things, you love God, and you love others, you will really live for the very first time." If you follow me, you will live. And the story goes on to say this. In church, this is what I really want to focus on this morning. In verse thirty, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, Jewish man, was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes. Now go and do the same. We see this Samaritan do exactly what we are talking about this morning. He gives of himself, his time, and his abilities by bandaging and helping this man that's been beaten. But he doesn't stop there. Then he gives of his own money to help this guy out, a stranger who he does not know. And as we give of our time and our energy, and our abilities. And as we give of our finances, there's gonna be all these strangers who who have been beaten up by the world and by Satan himself, who are going to get restored. And those strangers are going to find a home here and they are no longer gonna be strangers. They're gonna be part of our family. They're gonna be part of this body And then those strangers who we served are going to start serving and ministering to other people. And I I just, as I was preparing this week, I have to be honest with you all. I kind of struggled over this message, not because I'm afraid to talk about money and serving and all that stuff. It, It was because it just kept feeling like it was this practical teaching. And I was like, God, people don't need practicality right now. They're walking in fear and anxiety and worry and dealing. I mean, there's some real issues and I, I, I want to speak to that. And that was like my, my prayer and my narrative and my conversation with God all week until later in the week, he kind of just smacked me in the face. He said, you think this is practical? Serving and giving are some of the most deeply spiritual things that we can do that bring some of the most healing that you will ever experience. And so don't listen to me and say, think this is just like point A to point B. There's the formula for church. It is so much more than that. You want to be set free? You want to be healed? You want your fear to be be, be calm? You want your anxiety to be lessened? Give. Give. And God will meet your needs. He will meet your needs over and over again. Let's, uh, Sorry, I know I called them up. They're just standing here looking awkward right now. I'm just going to keep going for a second. I did, my, um, I did my thesis for school on what it means to have revival in church. And I told my professor, look, I don't want to just write any old thing, okay? I want something that's going to be edifying for this church. And so this is, that's what we landed on. And I could, I could go on and on about this. But one of the things that causes revival, that the misconception is that God just kind of says, okay, there, right then in that moment at that place. And it's this God ordained thing that we don't have anything to do with. It, and that's not true. It's not true. We want revival in this place. There is responsibility on us to want the revival in this place. And how we get revival, how we get revival y'all is by getting in the game. We gotta get off the sideline, we gotta get off the bench, stop being just a cheerleader, and get in the game. And let me tell you something, as we do, we'll have the confidence to know we join the winning team. We already know it, we know who the captain is. So let's get in the game, church, let's stand up. And I do just wanna say this, I know there's a lot going on in all of our lives. And I I told the band this morning, the ministry today is gonna happen in worship. So we're going a little long, but that's okay. If you need to come to the altar and God just needs to minister to you, come up. It is open. It is free. It is available. And I don't stand up here under any impression that everybody in here is just hunky dory. I know there's stuff going on. Let God minister to you in worship as we close out this morning. Amen.